the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the eight-man prep cast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Idaho eight-man prep cast on IdahoSports.com talking about God's greatest game. Idaho eight-man football. Welcome in. My name is Brandon Bainey. We are joined by new commentator for this season, Coach Lane Kirkland from Cary High School. What's going on, Coach? How you doing? Hey, guys. Doing well. Uh, happy uh, Thursday, huh? Game day tomorrow. That's right. We're recording this on Thursday night. All you crazy eight-man fans will have this first thing Friday morning in your podcast feed. We're also joined, of course, by Will Henneke, he handles the Idaho eight man Twitter account, or I guess X account as it were now, Will. Good yeah, to see you. Whatever they're calling it these days. Good to see you too. Good to be here. Yeah, for sure. So yes, a couple of different ways you can get this podcast. We're going to have it for you first thing every Friday morning throughout the football season. You can watch this uh, podcast at the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page. If you're on the go like Coach Kirkland and you want to listen audio only, you can also do that by uh, going to idahosports.com across the top of the homepage. There's a uh, tab that says prep casts from there. There's a drop down menu. You click on the Idaho eight man prep cast and it'll take you to our page. Um, you can also download this podcast and subscribe to it wherever you like to listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. So no excuses, eight man football fans. And uh, let's dive right into it, guys. I think I want to start each show with, what was the game of the week? It doesn't necessarily have to be the game we were anticipating to be the best, but the game that just turned out to be the best, most exciting, most competitive will. And I think we got to go up north for a, a D1 versus D2 showdown up on up uh, in District 2, Troy and Deary in a game that ends up going to overtime. Deary gets the win. Yeah, those guys are kind of fighting for elbow room up there right next to each other. And uh, this is the fourth straight year that they've played the season opener. Troy had won the last two, and it looked like they had a pretty good chance to get the win on, on Friday. But then uh, Troy, uh, I'm sorry, Deary makes a play to force overtime, and then they get the touchdown in overtime. And uh, that's a good win for Coach Olson and Deary to get the season started. I think that their 1-7 uh, and seven record last year a little bit misleading. I think they were a little better than that record showed. Uh, and I think that they're going to be right in the mix of things when you're talking about that second playoff seed coming out of the White Pine up north. Yeah, it's going to be really competitive, and I liked your uh, euphemism there, elbowing for room uh, with the regional rival there with Troy. So yeah, Deary wins 34-28 to in overtime. Uh, Nolan Hubbard throws a late touchdown in regulation to Tucker Ashme to send the game to OT, and then he runs in the game-winning touchdown on a one-yard run. Lane, uh, there's nothing like a good rivalry win to kick off the season. I mean, how how much can that propel a team like Deary? Getting a win over your arch rivals, it doesn't count for conference or anything, but it's just a feel-good win. Um, I think it's going to be a great benefit to both teams to go to overtime right off the bat and uh, and feel that intensity and that uh, urgency and uh, and understand that uh, maybe we can do a little bit more earlier on in the game, but we need to finish strong. And uh, and Deary, for sure, getting that win there is going to give them a lot of confidence and a boost to uh, to propel themselves into the next game. So good job, Deary. Yeah, this was a really exciting win. And on the flip side, like you said, Troy can walk away feeling pretty encouraged too that the game went to overtime and they were probably a play or two away from it starting their season 1-0. Makai Durrett, uh quarterbacking this Troy offense, ran for two touchdowns, passed for a third. I got my first introduction to Makai at the uh, 1A State Baseball Tournament last spring. Uh, he did all the catching uh, for that Troy pitching staff that's so talented and that dude is a brick house, Will. He he is a strong, compact dude. I would not want to try and tackle him one on one. No, not at all. And and obviously, you mentioned a talented baseball player, and obviously, a pretty good football player too. Uh, made some plays out there. And um, Troy, I think a lot of people expect them to be looking up at some people in the White Pine standings in Division One. Um, you know, they might be down, you know, middle or or lower, but um, you know, just. That's, you know, that's why you line it up and you play, right? I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to face a team with a confident, strong quarterback, no matter what he may or may not have around him. And, and that's what Troy seems to have. Yeah. So congratulations to Deary and Troy for uh, being our first game of the week. 34-28, Deary wins in overtime. It was overall a pretty nice uh, weekend for the 1A D2 White Pine League. The league in, in total went 3-1. and one. Uh, Kendrick, Deary, Lewis County all picked up wins. 
Timberline was the only team that was on the wrong side of it. I think the conversation lane always has to start with Kendrick. They were welcoming council to town, uh, 66 to 14, the final. And, uh, in case nobody knew this, you know, real insider info here, lane Kendrick's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it sounded like they executed really well and put up some points and, uh, probably didn't punt very often if, if at all. Um, and, uh, a, a good start to their season against a good team in council. So, um, a good one to get going. Yeah. Well, do you remember in the, in the nineties, uh, Chris Carter, he was an NFL wide receiver for the Eagles. All he does the is catch touchdowns, buddy Ryan. That was his big complaint about him. All uh, he does Chris- is catch touchdown passes. <laughs> Yeah, that's Kendrick had a guy like that. Uh, Hunter Taylor, three catches, 115 yards, three touchdowns. <laughs> that's you can't be more high efficient than that. He was the IdahoSports.com player of the game. So, congrats, yeah, to Hunter. That's making the most of your opportunities. And uh, in a game like that, where I mean, he probably wasn't on the field much after you know halftime at, at the longest. So, um, you know, that's the, that's going to be the interesting thing to see this week. And we'll talk about this game come a little, a little bit later, but now they go to play Oakley. They get a big win where they get a lot of kids rep. They get a lot of kids into the game. They get a lot of kids, the feel of the live game speed, if you will. Oakley, the same thing in their game. They got a big win. They got a lot of kids on the field. They got a lot of kids touches. So, you know, everybody coming into it healthy, everybody coming into it feeling pretty good. And that, that's going to be a good one. Yeah, so Kendrick gets the 66-14 to 14 win over Council. Lane, I was going to ask you as a coach, how do you balance that between making sure your starters get enough reps so they, you know, stay fresh and prepared, but also, you know, not running up the score too much and, and giving those younger guys, those backup players, some playing time? It's it's a fine line to walk sometimes, but how do you do it? Yeah, it is a fine line. Uh, and those who have had experience in, in doing that over the years, which Kendrick has, know exactly what place to call to get their their players, their yardage, their touchdowns, whatever it might be, and to mix it up here and there, knowing that uh, some of the calls are going to make are just going to score. And uh, and that's how it is. But uh, to move those uh, play calls around the best you can that first and second quarter um, and uh, to balance that out between your players and give them a little bite to eat and uh, satisfy them, and then they'll, they'll come back for uh, for more of the next game. Coach, yeah, you've been around long enough to know, um, well, your whole family, it wasn't that long ago that once a game got to be 45 points, it was just over. So it's probably right. a little bit easier to balance this way where it just goes to a running clock and you can still work kids in versus, you know, I can't score too many points in the first half or I don't have the option of playing my kids in the second half. Right, and I think what it's taught our kids is that uh, games are never over. Let's play all the way to the end. It gives opportunities for coaches to uh, take, to uh, build some camaraderie between themselves and programs to respect one another as the game continues to play out. And uh, I've, I've seen that um, over the last few years that we've had that running clock. And it's a great benefit to, uh, to both teams, even though it might be a beat down here and there. Um, those kids get in and get to play, and, uh, and parents are happy and satisfied with that. And so is the concession stand. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> that's right. Anytime you can get all four quarters in, that's that's a definite win. Um, so, yeah, Kendrick wins 66-14 over Council. Uh, Council quarterback Owen Hatfield scored twice on the ground. Uh, I think the Lumberjacks are going to be just fine. You know, they just played a really good team right out of the gates. Lewis County beat Salmon River 40-22. to Will, this was kind of a back-and-forth game until the fourth quarter um, when the Eagles uh, finally put the savages to bed with an 18 to nothing burst at the end of the fourth. But I think uh, if you're both sides, you you have to be encouraged from this week one matchup. Yeah. For salmon river, it's just finding your footing again after a couple of down seasons, after that prolonged run of, uh, you know, was salmon river and, and coach Kirkland every year in November somewhere for a state championship there for a lot of years. And, you know, the numbers aren't where I'm sure they'd like them to be, but with Gabe Zavala and, and, and Devin Herzig and some of the other, you know, they've only got 12, 13 players up there. But for them to go out there in, in game number one and have a chance to grind out a W. And again, don't look at the score. You hit the nail on the head, Brandon. You know, that was was what, a, a 22-16 game in the fourth quarter? Um, that's anybody's ball game there. And that's something if you're a coach, if you're a Salmon River coach, if you're a Salmon River player, Okay, now let's look. Let's look at our film. Let's look at ourselves, and let's see what can we fix in that fourth quarter. So the 18-0 run 
goes for us and not against us. Yeah, uh, Gage Crow ends up rushing for 232 yards and four touchdowns in the win for Lewis County as the Eagles start 1-0. and And then Timberline up there in Weipe was the only team from the 1-8-D-2 Weipine that didn't win. They played a very good Lapway team, uh, fell 58-14 to lane. We were talking before we hopped on the, the prep cast tonight. Uh, you coached in the uh, Idaho all-state games this summer you you were the coach for one of the teams in the eight-man all-star game uh, and you got to coach a couple of these lapway guys and they've got a really good foundation of leadership that starts at the top with their coach josh layton and then it moves on down to these players and so anyone that thought lapway might be in for a down season might have to rethink yeah i was absolutely impressed with uh the two kids that we got uh, from michelle was uh, the one that i most remember there he just just took over and led our team, and uh, man, he was just the coolest dude. He, he could have coached us all, um, and I, I think that's a tradition that those uh, Lapway kids have there. So I, I expect them to do well all season. Yeah, well, every this year, was every year they've got athletes. That's the thing that's yeah. you know you can take out a, a Titus year out, and here comes Terrell Ellenwood Jones. He graduates. Okay, now you got Elias year out. You know, I mean, they, they've just got kids every year that if you're not minding your P's and Q's, they're going to burn you. Right. Yeah. Elias year out rushes for 80 yards and three touchdowns for Lapway. He had 50 yards receiving and then 12 tackles on defense as well. That's not a bad night at the office. Uh, Julian Barrows, a new name. Uh, you'll want to remember that one for Lapway. He rushed for 171 yards and two touchdowns as well. So, uh, Will, we talked about Elias Yurat. He is the younger brother of Titus Yurat, of course, great uh, quarterback and, and basketball player now for the Idaho Vandals. When I when I interviewed Titus after his last game as a senior, he said he's got seven younger brothers and sisters. So it's going to be oh, a year out. Really? He's got that many? Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> keep that year out nameplate there because you're going to be throwing that one up there for a while. Do they all play basketball like Big Brother did? Yes, and they're all multi-sport athletes, and there's some there's some girls mixed in there too. And so, Lane, what's that like in in small town Idaho when you when you've got a large family like that? And you're, are you looking that far ahead, or are you just looking at who's who's here now? Oh yeah, you're looking always all the way to the bottom from the grade school up. So that's that's a lot of fun to see those names keep rolling through. Yeah, that's going to be interesting for Lapway. So they're 1-0, 58-14 win over uh, Timberline. Uh, Corbin Christopherson, freshman QB for the Spartans, had uh, a passing and a rushing touchdown there for Timberline. Okay, the next biggest story was the game that I was at, guys, on IdahoSports.com. Had some technical difficulties to start, um, and so did the notice kickoff unit. Uh, Tiago Pickering returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown for Clearwater Valley. Lane, as a coach, how how nuts does that drive you when you give up a TD, a house call on the opening kickoff? Uh, yeah, I just have to laugh um, and just go with it, um, as, as I think it looked like they did with that score in the end there. So uh, I was just like, all right, our turn. Let's go kickoff, return. You're up next. So, uh, But it, it is a stunner, and if you don't rebound quickly, it can it can take you out of the game for a little bit. Yeah, so Will, not only does notice not kick to Pickering the rest of the night, they just kicked it out of bounds. They went for oh, yeah. two they went for two consecutive onside kicks in that first half and got both. And that's what allowed notice to kind of build up this this cushion. Um, and then them in, in Clearwater Valley kind of traded scores the rest of the way. Notice ultimately wins 72 to 54. But how about how about the guts uh for Joe Woodland, the head coach for notice, calling back to back onside kicks and cashing in on both uh possessions as well. Yeah, you see something, and Coach, you can speak to this even better than me. If you see something that works, why not? You know, just keep doing it. Make them adjust. And, uh, you know, you go out and you execute it twice in a row, and you basically steal two possessions out of that. That's that's a big swing in a game that, uh, I mean, I know there were 128 or whatever total points scored, but it's a two-touchdown game. You recover two onside kicks. Those, you know, you could argue it's not apples to apples per se. It's not a straight line. But they're the two extra possessions that that may, for all intents and purposes, have turned the game because Clearwater Valley never got notices offense off the field. They only forced them into one fourth down in the whole game. So when your defense is struggling to make stops, you know, you, you can't afford to be giving the ball back very much. And, and you know, 
good on the Pirates for figuring out a way to get a couple extra possessions. Yeah, Lane, how much how much are you working on onside kick in practice? Uh, it's something that doesn't always come up, but here, notice clearly, well rehearsed at it. Well, I've, I've seen notice over the year kick some really clean onside kicks and just get after it, and that's a pride of uh, the kicker taking time to figure it out on, on whatever surface he's at and just a lot of practice uh, getting that, that right yardage, that right angle, that right speed, bounce on that ball. But uh, it's, it's a fun call to make, and when you get it, it just accelerates things from your sideline, and then, uh, and then you just got to keep scoring. Yeah, so talking to Clearwater Valley coach Alan Hutchins after that game Friday night, he said, hey, look, we lost by 18 points, and it came down to those two onside kicks and a pick six that we threw right before halftime. Landon Schlieper, the Clearwater Valley quarterback, was wrapped up by two different guys, tried to do a little Brett Favre, and could still complete the pass. Uh, Benny Guevara, the opposing quarterback, ends up intercepting it and taking it 40 yards for a pick six. But Coach Hutchins says, you know, you take those three plays away, and we matched them, you know, pretty evenly. So I think even though it looks deceptive, yeah, they lost 72 to 54. I think Coach Hutchins feels encouraged, uh, as encouraged as you can be coming out of an 18-point loss. Um, our Idaho Sports.com player of the game was Grayson Benitez. He scored six touchdowns, five on the ground, one through the air. Um, Coach Kirkland, he was uh, notice's best receiver a year ago and was the conference's best receiver. Uh, they moved him to running back because they their starting running back is out for the season. Gunnar Campbell, he tore his ACL in summer camp, so he's done for the whole school year. And then their starting fullback, Ian Hill, uh, he was riding his dirt bike, uh, ended up bruising a couple of ribs and puncturing a lung. Uh, I was talking to him at halftime, and he looked at me and goes, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so you gotta like the you gotta like the toughness there. But they it forced Benitez to 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 move to running back. Now the question is when Ian Hill comes back, do they keep him in the backfield? Right. So uh, there's two things as a as a coach you hope for in the summer that don't happen. Number one, they don't get hurt on a motorcycle. And number two, they don't get hurt in a fair rodeo trying to do the wild cow race, right? So yeah, one one of them qualified in that direction, but yeah, when you when you move those guys to those positions, um, that's that's where they're supposed to play, and they, they get that figured out and pick that uh, slack up for a graduate and and carry it on, and that's what Grayson did in that game. So uh, he'll have some some more fun the rest of this season now in that spot. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when Ian Hill comes back. Do they move? They had a, a sophomore AJ Blank playing fullback. Do they move him to receiver? Obviously, somebody's going to move somewhere, uh, and and that's really how Notice put up seventy two points. They were just trying to run out the clock, and Benitez just kept breaking it for touchdowns. Um, and it kind of is how the game ended up going so long. But um, on the other side, uh, Will for Car uh, Clearwater Valley, we came into the game expecting to see Carson Schilling at quarterback. Instead, it's Landon Schlieper, who kind of looks like if you went to the QB factory and you said, "Yeah, give me, a, uh, give me a QB," he would roll off the line. He's six foot four, uh, tall, picturesque, looks good throwing the deep ball. Um, I was talking to Coach Hutchins, and I said, "Well, what happened to Carson Schilling?" He said, "You know, we we discovered he's a pretty good quarterback, but we also discovered he's our best wide receiver. So we had to put him where he's going to have the most impact on a team." and that's what. That's why the coaches get paid those big bucks uh, is to make those tough personnel decisions, right? Yeah, he's got some versatile athletes there. You're talking about Schilling and, and Tiago Pickering and Bass Myers, who we know the great running back linebacker combo. Um, that's one thing that they've been good at over the last few years is kind of mixing and matching, putting players in, in the best position to to help that team, and that's why they've kind of slowly ascended up those standings a little bit where. In years past, they were just kind of your, um, from the 30,000-foot view, if you will, just kind of your garden variety, middle-of-the-pack team to, you You got to have your eye on them now because they play some pretty good football up there. Yeah, Trevor Altman is also playing wide receiver for Clearwater Valley. He's a great baseball player. Uh, first time he's playing football since his freshman year. So Coach Hutchins says, yeah, we'll take him, two-way athlete. Uh, so, yes, Notice gets the win over Clearwater Valley. Um, Notice was really the only team from their division, uh, the Western Idaho Conference, that had any success as we look into what happened in the rest of the league. Rimrock was a team we talked about a lot last week, Will. Uh, they go to Glens Ferry and fall 46-8. to eight. Um, Landon Stewart, 7 of 10 passing, 140 yards, four touchdowns for the Pilots. 
Eric Stewart is the new coach uh, at Glens Ferry. Um, and then he also had eight carries for 117 yards and a touchdown. And so I guess, Lane, my question is, does this tell us more about Glens Ferry or does it tell us more about Rimrock? Um, a new coaches always bring enthusiasms to, uh, to programs. And uh, Coach Stewart looks like he's uh, prepared his, his team well to open up the season against Rimrock. So uh, I think time will tell how that plays out after uh, after we see him play again this week. Um, to, yeah, uh, Glenn's Ferry kind of getting it started. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't overanalyze this too much. Right. You know, from the Rimrock, you know, does the what I'm trying to say is we'll learn. I'm I'm with Coach Kirkland here. I think we'll learn more over these next two or three weeks. I think the thing that Glenn's Ferry had going for it is you got Stewart back, the quarterback. You got most of their best players from last year were back. It was a very young team last year. So Landon Mills, Josiah Valencia, you got a number of players that are impact players. And those impact players really showed up. And um, I think that they're a team that's kind of laying in the weeds a little bit in in District 4. I don't know that they're going to you know go down and knock off Oakley tomorrow or anything like that. And they don't play tomorrow, but you know what I mean? Uh, but I think they're a team you're going to have to take seriously. And I do think it was, and this is kind of stating the obvious when you look at the results, it was not a particularly good week for the Western Idaho conference in district three notice took care of their job, but then, you know, you mentioned Rimrock and a couple other outcomes as well. And we've been waiting for somebody from that league to break through. It's been a while uh, since District 3 had kind of that powerhouse team. You know, several years ago, Wilder had a really good run. Um, Notice has had some good teams, but they just they haven't had that breakthrough win in the playoffs yet to really announce their presence. And, uh, you know, is it going to be this year? I don't know. But this week for the league was not a particularly good start. Yeah, the other big result, Will, was something that you wrote about in your uh, Three Stars column, and that was Idaho City losing at home to Cascade, a 1A D2 team that hasn't even had a team the last couple of years. Great win for the Ramblers. They went 44 to 14. Uh, it's a lot of that. So Cascade got to state for basketball last year for the first time in a long time, and it's a lot of the same names, Tyler Thurston and Cole Olson. And so great win for the Ramblers, but for Idaho City, they were the other playoff team from this league last year. Um, so I, I agree the the WIC is kind of tr- back to the drawing board a little bit. And so I guess the question I wanted to ask is last year we went to what we see for a lot of the other sports lane where districts are allocated a certain amount of bids based upon, you know, representation, how many teams are in your league and all of that. And, and so district three got two teams into the playoffs last year, your team played Idaho city in the first round. And I think I think most football fans would tell you that there were other teams that probably could have jumped the line ahead of Idaho City, not knocking Idaho City. It's not. But I think we had seen a bracket where it was all based on max preps. And then we went to a bracket where a lot of it was predetermined. And so I think eight man fans are just looking for the balance. What's the right balance of getting the best teams into the playoffs? I was just curious now that you're off the sidelines, what your thoughts were about that. Well, it's quite interesting. Uh, this, this is a, last year was the first year we used max preps to uh, to go into the into the bracket. You know, uh, being ranked where we were, and and picking up teams elsewhere that uh, were kind of automatically seated or, or given those berths. Um, it doesn't provide sometimes for the best and most competitive bracket. Um, but if you do want to to have schools in there representing their district, which gives pride to each of those. Um, that's what you have to have. Um, it's kind of a toss-up, you know. If if we were in that d- dilemma uh, or that situation, would we want representation? Probably so. Um, so it just just kind of d- depends where you're at there. But uh, for more, a more competitive bracket, I think the Max Preps ranking straight through would would likely provide that better. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is something the coaches all agree upon, right? The bracket that's going to be used in the way we build this bracket out. One, say that one more time. Yeah, uh, this is something the coaches all decide on, right? How the bracket's going to be drawn up and determined right. and selected, right? Correct. Yeah, usually a coach will bring that to the board and propose that, and uh, and kind of take the lead on it. There's several that come there 
um, to be proposed here and there. But uh, yeah, the coaches kind of decide on that overall before it's taken there. And uh, it, it's uh, usually usually pretty fair. Just uh, <laughs> tweaking out there for a second. <laughs> oh man, sorry about that. My my internet up here in North Idaho is not great sometimes. So, um, so Will, I wanted to ask your opinion on this as well. On the other side of it, now District Four, we know is this gauntlet of Oakley and Rap River and Lighthouse and Cary and Murtaugh. They all got to the playoffs last year. Glenn's Ferry took last, not because they're bad, but because somebody's got to take last. And look at what they're doing to the second best team from District Three. This, I mean, this is a gauntlet of a conference again. It is, and we looked at Lighthouse Christian last year at the beginning of the year. That schedule they had, and the coach, I think they, I think you were one of the teams that they had to play. And Brandon, you and I talked about on this podcast, we could be sitting here at the at the end of September looking at an zero five team that has a very real chance to make the playoffs because of max preps, because of who they played, they're just going to have to mix in a couple wins. And sure enough, uh, they, they do that. And it's just the, the, how many teams per district versus how many, um, you know, how many uh, at large bids and whatnot, that's, it's going to be an imperfect system that we're always going to have to be fighting a little bit because it, it's a pendulum swing swing, right? You know, two years ago, Wilders five and three, and they get left at home over a couple of teams, I believe out of district four that were sub 500 because they had a better max preps RPI rating. So then the district three uh, administration kind of, you know, stomps their feet and says, wait a minute, come on now. So they shift it and give that automatic bid to district two. And then you look around and you're saying, you look at those final max preps rankings you know, you, you, you mentioned it, Brandon, there were three or four teams ahead of Idaho City in those max preps rankings, but Idaho City got that automatic bid. So someone like Prairie probably had a pretty legitimate argument in terms of on the field being a better football team than Idaho City. But until you kind of find that really fine line between the automatic predetermined bids and whatever max preps mathematical formula is, I mean, for all we know, it's a it's a it's a cat playing with a calculator. You know, we we don't know what it is, but until they get that tweaked just right, I think we're going to have some variation of this conversation every year. Did you worry about the max preps formula too much, Lane? Did you try to figure out, okay, how's this thing calculated and how can we use that to our advantage, or did you just say let's line up and play? I just lined up and play, and somebody else worried about all that stuff. And- <laughs> I really did <laughs> just play ball. Yeah. Some other number cruncher can uh, let's try and figure that out for sure. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, let's, let's talk about district four. Uh, Carrie uh, welcomed in grace second straight year. These teams opened up with each other. Grace did have a game last week, but uh, grace comes in, pitches a shutout 36 to nothing. Uh, Wyatt Cutler scores a pair of touchdowns for grace. Uh, Braden Kimball, uh, played pretty well quarterbacking grace. He threw a touchdown to Brennan Sorensen ran for a touchdown as well. Trevor Matthews scored a rushing touchdown coach Kirkland. You were there to watch this game. What did you, what did you see? What were your takeaways from this 36, nothing win by grace? All right. Yeah. I got to a uh, privilege to announce the game, which was, uh, was really pretty cool. But, uh, I saw a grace team that was a lot, uh, it was big, pretty big, deep and pretty fast. They executed really well. Um, Wyatt Keller, had a had pretty much a, a pretty good heyday running up the middle. Had some great blockers going on there. The, the Clegg uh, brothers or cousins, I'm not sure what they are. They did a, a great job on on defense, but uh, they executed really cleanly and uh, and got things going. I thought they uh, they started to get better as the game went on and played a little faster and and executed plays quicker and hit holes better. Um, so uh, a, a Grace team, I think this got a lot of uh, good tools to use. And I think they're going to become pretty darn good here by the end of the year. And uh, I think setting a pretty good matchup there for the conference championship with Butte. But uh, credit to the, to the Cary Panthers. However, though, they did uh, have three um, red zone stops and a great goal line stand and a couple other fourth down stops to, uh, to keep the game uh, as it was there. It could have been a lot worse, but uh, um, that Cary team's young. They're really young. They haven't had a lot of reps, haven't been on the field a lot. But uh, they'll get there as that, that continues their away tonight with the JV game against Hagerman. And uh, then it'll roll again tomorrow at Butte. But 
Yeah, it doesn't yeah. get any doesn't get any easier for Kerry, that's for sure. Right. Um, so yeah, I think and Grace fans can tell me if I'm wrong. I believe they are brothers, mm-hmm. Kai and Joe Clegg. I think they're they're twin brothers, but they're they bookend. They they both play on the offensive line. They both play on the defensive line for Grace, and right. both were all state players a year ago. Um, so Will, I mean, we we've talked about this the last several years. You know, Grace, Butte County, Chalice in this three team league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chalice is still kind of building its program up. It sure looks like it's Butte County and Grace on a collision course again. It feels like it, and I'm I'm really curious to see and and. Um you know, seeing what Grace did to, to carry last week, it gives us a little bit of a baseline, a little bit of a, a, a temperature on the thermostat, if you will, that win over the team they had last week in Utah. I have no basis for knowing if that's a good win or not a good win or a fantastic win. I just had no way of knowing, but for them to go and, and, and coach, I say this with all the love in the world for your program. Um, I get that they're young, but you just don't go to carry and win 36 to nothing unless you're a pretty good football team. Um, a ton of respect for, for Kerry's program and their coaches and their athletes uh, and, their, and their pride. You know, you talk about goal line stands and red zone stops. That's something where a team could just kind of shut it down and say, well, what's the difference between 36 nothing and 42 nothing? Not a heck of a lot. Um, so to go in there against Kerry – um, even if Kerry isn't the same Kerry we're used to seeing, that tells me quite a bit. Um, and I, I like Butte. I will be the first to tell you I'm I'm driving the, the Butte County bandwagon in Division One this year. I think that they're going to be one of the last two or three teams standing in the classification. Um, I still suspect they're the better team, uh, but that's going to be that's going to be a fun matchup to see when they play in October. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll use the common opponent uh, theory here in a couple of weeks. Uh, it involves the St. Joseph Jayhawks. It's a private Catholic school in Ogden, Utah. They played Oakley uh, this past Friday. Oakley won 66-6. They play Grace in two weeks. So, you know, I'll do a little score comparison, see how Grace and Oakley stack up with that common opponent. And then, of course, We'll be able to use carry and other teams as well as the season uh, progresses. So, um, yeah, that's a good win for Grace on the road. And it was a good week of football for most of the teams that were in District 4, especially at the 1A D2 level. Uh, it's it's funny how these preseason polls work out, right, Lane? Dietrich was the team that was picked to finish first. Well, they're the only team that lost. Uh, the teams that were all below them, uh, Hagerman and Castle Ford and Cabot's County, um, all got wins. So, Right, it's kind of flipped on its head. Uh, Garden Valley going to Dietrich and delivering the win uh, was was pretty impressive. Thirty-seven to fourteen. That was a big win for Coach uh, Jason Yearsley and the Wolverines. Yeah, I think that's a that's a program that's as uh, strong and, and traditionalized as well as Dietrich, and uh, a good matchup to start the season off. And uh, I, I've always said it's it's time for Coach Yearsley to have a break year and keep going deeper into those playoffs and uh what a great uh, way to start the season off against a good dietrich team and it, this could be the year coach with tacoma kelly a quarterback a great dual threat player caden zimmer the receiver max yearsley who i'm just going to go out on a limb and assume is related to jason yearsley um you know he's another good they've just got they've got all kinds of skill kits and as long as their defense makes enough stops which i think they will I think they'll make plenty of stops on defense. I don't know that their defense will be quite as strong as last year, but I think they'll make enough defensive stops where uh, they're going to be they're going to be a tough out. They're they're going to be playing football in November, and they're going to be a tough team to handle. Yeah, Tacoma Kelly, two hundred four yards and four touchdowns in the air, one hundred five yards and a touchdown on the ground, seventeen yards and a touchdown receiving. Uh, seven tackles, a sack on defense, a partridge in a pear tree, and he drove the bus home to Tacoma Kelly from the Garden Valley. Uh, yeah, as long as there's a Kelly on that. County roster. goes to Rockland and delivers a 62. Go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, you're good. Uh, and the same thing is happening at Camas County, except it's not Kelly's, it's Smith's. Um, all the Smiths on Camas County, they go to Rockland and get a 62-12 to 12 victory. I wasn't surprised that Camas County won lane, but maybe the margin of victory was pretty significant to me. Rockland is kind of the favorite over in East Idaho. Right. Uh, I think I think Camas is trying to make a statement. Uh, I know that a dozen of those boys 
um, chose not to come out for track and field last year and went straight to the weight room and uh, committing to uh, to be the best football team in this area, maybe in the state eventually. So um, I'm not surprised that that statement was made so big. Um, I did hear there were six turnovers in that game. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, that's a lot. And if you capitalize on even half of those, that's pretty big, which it looks like they, they did. And uh, the, the, a good Rockland team still over there. But that's, that's a big statement against uh, the, the Bulldogs for sure. We talked about this last week. Will Camas County was kind of the king of the takeaway last year and picking up right where they left off on defense. Yeah, and I mean, and they were blocking punts. They were doing a little bit of everything. And when you've got a a experienced team, it 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 allows you to start faster uh, because you know you got more of your systems installed. You've got more plays in. You've got that some of that repetition, and you've got some of that um, cohesion already in place. And I think Camas County displayed that. Um, I mean, I think Rockland will be fine. I'm, I'm not terribly worried about them, but I think this was, this was a good win for Camas County. And then we had another cross, you know, district five, six district four matchup, uh, Castle Ford taking on North gem. We were wondering, okay, what, what are the wolves going to do? Uh, they had 12 players last year. Eight left via graduation, so they had to fill some spots. Uh, the freshmen came through. Uh, they, their, their group of freshmen that are having to start uh, combined for four touchdowns offensively for Castle Ford. Uh, Crash Taylor, uh, Jamie Ramos, uh, some of the veterans kind of leading the charge, but the Young Bucks played very well for Castle Ford, and they won 42-20. to 20. Uh, How hard is that, Lane, when you are faced with just trying to rebuild the numbers in your program, knowing you're going to have to go hit the freshman hallway in the high school and uh, see how many of those young bucks you can get out for the team. You know, those, those freshmen are actually really legit. Uh, I, I coached junior high here and I had to coach against those dudes. And uh, some of them are, are men and uh, needed to shave the day before or the morning of. <laughs> they were really good and physical and strong and fast. And uh, if they're following a guy named Crash, See, what else could you ask for? I mean, I think they're going to play pretty hard this year. Yep. <laughs> they make movies about dudes named Crash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be really fun to watch Castle Ford. Uh, their team, I've got my eye on. Brian Lowry has done a great job with that program, taking very small numbers and getting the most out of them. And that's really what Corey Hatch is having to do at North Gym as well, Will. He's got nine guys on the team this year. Now, they're nine, they're nine guys. They're nine dudes, but... Still only nine. Yeah, you're going to have to really hope that nobody turns an ankle because um, that basically your margin for error becomes zero at that point. And it's it, it's a good group. It's a good group that he has. They've just they, they've got to stay healthy. They've got to stay disciplined and they've got to stay, uh, you know, they've got to stay uh, in the moment, if, if you will. You know, they've got to be ready to move around if needed. And, you know, maybe you're used to playing linebacker, but well, now we need you on the defensive line. You know, when you only have nine, you don't really have the luxury of subs. So conditioning is going to be a factor along with health. Um, but that that's another team that I expect, too, as long as, you know, knock on wood, they stay healthy. I, I expect them to be OK. Uh, and I'm sure you're talking about beating the hallways. I'm sure that uh, those those North Gem, the, the players, if not Coach Hatch himself, the players are, you know, in some kids ears. Hey, why don't you throw on the pads and, and come on out? It's still early in the season. Let's see what we can do here. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Lane. How much of that do you put on the players to, hey, this is your team too. Take some ownership here and see if you can shake loose a couple guys. A lot. You know, you, you count on those guys to get their friends out there, to make new friends, to be encouraged and uh, encouraging to, to get there and, and help their school have some pride in filling those rosters and uh, assisting and in, in making the program work and keeping it alive. Um, it's a uh, it's a good thing and it helps kids grow and hopefully they can snag a few of those kids that are in the hallways or still on and still on the Baylor and, and get them to come out and give a hand. That's right. Yeah. Maybe when the harvest is done, they can yep. come out for the squad. Um, what, do, what do you do as a coach? If you got nine guys, um, you can't sub guys out to give them a breather. So how do you adjust your game plan and your play calling to give these guys a break because they're going both ways playing almost the entire game? I've never had that problem, um, that issue, but I, I have seen Salmon River manage with 10 or 11, and everybody walks back to the hole, 
after the play is over and you snap the ball with one second left, you rest as much as you can. Um, uh, you don't warm up for the game, really. You just stretch and save all that energy, as I watched Sam River do over the years, and, uh, and then just play ball and play hard, but play slow when you're on offense. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. that fits Manage right in. Oh, sorry. Manage <laughs> that clock in your favor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you bleed that clock for sure, and that's what North Tim is going to have to do this year. Uh, Hagerman also got a nice win over Horseshoe Bend, forty six thirty four. All of Horseshoe Bend's touchdowns came from Dan Jones, which second game in a row he's balled out. He scored five times. Um, but Hagerman, I thought, will. Uh, we we we've been pretty high on them. They've gotten a lot of preseason buzz. They've got the numbers. They're they're the opposite of North Tim. They've got over twenty guys. Uh, Kai Kendall. You know, I was watching the film, and I I don't have an actual Hagerman roster yet. I'm pretty sure it was Kai Kendall. I was watching uh, score a bunch of touchdowns. He had three rushing touchdowns. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Wyatt Maven Camp quarterbacked the offense extremely well. Um, this is a Hagerman team that I think is ready to compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, we were talking last week about how I felt like. Um, I feel like Hagerman's going to have to jump somebody. Hanson's going to have to jump somebody if they want to get one of those top three spots. I don't think that anybody's necessarily falling back to them in a big, dramatic way, but I think that Hagerman could do it. Um, They got some good players back this year, as you mentioned. They've got the numbers. A lot of coaches around the district were telling us over the summer, hey, this, this might be their year to kind of break through, and it wasn't that long ago that they were a strong program and they went through a little lull and maybe now they're just kind of swinging their way out of it. Yeah. They've got such big numbers. They're going to be a one, a D one school starting next fall. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how Hagerman does and can they leapfrog somebody uh, in the pecking order? Because we know at the one, a D two level, there is no max preps. It is all predetermined. And so you have to finish in one of those top three spots uh, to have your seat at the table. So that'll be very interesting to see how that shakes out. Let's really quickly uh, highlight some of the big matchups that are coming up. I mean, the biggest matchup in the state, eight man, 11 man. I don't care. It's happening Friday afternoon at Albertson Stadium uh, on the campus of Boise State University on the blue turf. It is a three o'clock kickoff between Oakley and Kendrick, Coach Kirkland, you going to be able to sneak out of school and go over to Boise to watch that? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. But we might be watching it in class, perhaps. Yeah. Let's <laughs> see what happens there. The boss um, isn't watching this, is he? Who? Your boss. Or is he going to be in the classroom with you? She, her, her, her husband's the coach, the head coach at Hawaii, so she's probably oh. okay. All right, fair enough. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to ask about that because yeah, Kayla Burton is the the principal at Cary, and her husband Jason was helping coach at Wood River. He's now back at Hawaii. Um, so yeah, I was wondering if Kayla was still at the school. Sounds like she is. So that's yeah, she's still here. Uh, you bet. Perfect. So, yeah, okay, that should be it. Should be a fun matchup between those two uh, two powerhouses. Um, last year's you know came down to the wire. Watched that game film. And, uh, you know, just came down to those long passes over the top that Kendrick was able to execute and uh, to get done there. And uh, I expect it to be every bit as a good ball game again this year. Everybody should tune into this game on Friday afternoon. It's on IdahoSports.com. It's Friday. Just shut it down for the weekend a couple hours early, 3 o'clock kickoff. It's going to be totally fine. Uh, I think that's going to be the most exciting game of the three that are taking place uh, on the blue turf as well. Well, last year these teams met in Cambridge, and really it came down to like whichever team has the ball last is going to win. That was Kendrick. They won, what, 52-48, to 48, I think. Yeah. yeah, very fun football game. Just big plays, big stops, momentum swings, pretty much everything you could ask for in a high school football game, no matter the size. No matter, you know, the biggest of schools or the smallest of schools, it was just wildly, wildly entertaining. And, um, you know, even even some people involved afterwards were like, hey, win or lose. That was just a lot of fun. Uh, and sometimes we don't always see, um, you know, sometimes those non-conference games can get out of hand one way or the other. Um, this is one that I, I don't think I'm going way out on a limb when I say that I don't expect it to get out of hand. Uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a football game, and and I'm I'm excited to do coach just like you. Uh, I'll I'll be in the office at the day job, and I'll I'll have it I'll have it on over here where I'll kind of just accidentally be looking over about every twenty to thirty seconds to see what happens. Yeah, 
It's going to be a great time. So here's what you do. You watch Oakley and Kendrick tomorrow or Friday, if you're watching this, uh, at 3 o'clock on IdahoSports.com. You take a break. You go get dinner, something to eat. You come back for the nightcap, which is going to Uh-oh. League battle on IdahoSports.com. You froze on us, Brandon. Coach, we may not get to know what the nightcap is. be cold up there, yeah. Every now and then, okay. Am I back? Painting. Am I, like am I back now? Yes, yeah. you're back, but we don't know what the nightcap is. Okay, the nightcap is going to be White Pine League action, seven o'clock Pacific, eight o'clock Mountain, Clearwater Valley at Logos. These are two high octane offenses. Myself mm-hmm. and Garrison Hardy will be on the call for it. My second uh, Rams game in a row. Uh, will Logos really took it to lakeside last week jack driscoll multifaceted quarterback um this this could be a a heavy one for the scoreboard operator yeah another veteran team i mean it's almost all those kids are back from last year and uh that's a team that a lot of people have their eyes on to take a step forward and a lot of it is because of jack driscoll a good young quarterback that i know has been doing the the camp circuit and he's been talking to people is this a kid that might have an opportunity to play some college football when he gets done at Logos. Hard to say. Uh, you hope so. You hope he has that opportunity. But uh, I'm guessing right now he's he's concerned with how to how to emulate what what Benny Guevara did last week. And meanwhile, uh, on the other side, you got the Rams. They're they're trying to figure out okay, how do we not have that happen to us again? How are we going to stop this team? Because Logos, they've they've got some firepower. They're gonna they're gonna burn out some light bulbs this year. Yeah, this is going to be a really exciting matchup. You can watch it on idahosports.com. Uh, 8 o'clock Mountain, 7 o'clock Pacific. Other big games this week, uh, Coach Kirkland. Lighthouse Christian is going to be at Grace. Uh, the Lions are 1-0. Grace is 2-0. How do you think this one might shake out? That'll be interesting. That'll tell some interesting stories of what, uh, what Lighthouse has got um, and lined up this year and what Coach Bosma has in his first season. You know, I, I, uh, I coached uh, against Coach Bosma back in, I think, 2011 when he was a quarterback there. Uh, um, we'll see what he brings to the table to that program. I'm sure a lot of pride and rallying and getting those guys going and to try and utilize that speed. And uh, we'll see if Grace can continue their uh, their two-game winning streak. We'll see what happens. should be fun. Yeah. Uh, Lighthouse opened with a big win over Wells, Nevada, last Saturday night. Uh, we've also got Will Garden Valley at Camas County. Garden Valley says, "Hey, we took out the king, Dietrich. Now we're coming for the prince, Camas County. We're we're gonna own District Four by the time this thing's over." Yeah, that's that's gonna tell. Well, I mean, I don't think it needs to tell us a lot. I think we know that whichever team wins this game, they're gonna have to earn it, uh, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a slugfest, and there're gonna be some big plays in that one, and it's gonna be an entertaining football game as well. And then the last game I wanted to highlight, it's always fun for these uh, rivalry games, Coach Kirkland. We've got Hanson and Murtaugh in the annual Wagon Wheel game. This is always a good one. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll see how that one uh, that one turns out with those guys. Uh, but, uh, anybody that can take the Wagon Wheel home is certainly proud. I think Murtaugh has, has taken that for the last couple of years. But uh, uh, Hanson coach, I know, always gets a good game plan going on and, and uh, gets things going early. So, so we'll see how Coach Jensen reacts to that. Yeah, Murtaugh's 1-0, started their season with a nice win. Uh, Hanson is 0-1, dropped their season opener against Water Springs. Will, where does the wagon wheel stack up in the uh, the pantheon of rivalries in, in eight-man football? Do, do a lot of the rivalries have a trophy they play for, like the wagon wheel? Or? No, I don't know. Like, I'm from eastern Washington, and almost all the rivalries up there have, you know, even if they're somewhat contrived, like the, the stinky sneaker game or something like that, and they all have something like that. I like the wagon wheel. I'm a big, I, I think it's great. I think it speaks to the region. It speaks to the communities. It speaks to, uh, to those two towns in particular. And uh, coach, you were saying Murtaugh's had the, the wheel for the last couple of years. They've actually had it for the last 10. The last year Hanson won it was 2012, but they also had about a three year hiatus where uh, they didn't field a varsity football team. So, uh, I, I know those kids from Hanson, they want to get that wheel and they want to they want to have that thing on display at their school. They're tired of hearing about it being down the road in Murtaugh. Uh, this rivalry started in 1970, gentlemen. 
that's when they started playing for the wagon wheel. So that's uh, that's a long-standing rivalry. Uh, Coach Kirkland, does Kerry have a uh, rivalry with a traveling trophy or anything like that, or is it just bragging rights? It's just bragging rights. Yeah, I, I thought about starting one with uh, with Butte County and calling it the Lava Rock or something, the the Crater Rock. But that would have uh, been a good one. Yeah, but uh, we never did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would have been interesting. Uh, that would have locked you into playing Butte County every year too. Yeah, I worked with Coach uh, Thorngren uh, back in 2011 out there as a ranger and the Craters, and he was at the booth. So we talked a lot of football that year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Boy, to be a fly on the wall for that conversation, that would have been <laughs> a lot of fun for sure. So, uh, well, that'll do it for this edition of the Idaho 8-Man Prep Cast. Uh, we, we broke down some of the biggest matchups and the biggest storylines. If there is a, an athlete, a team, a story you want us to cover here on the eight man prep cast, of course, it's got to be from an eight man team, but you can send me an email, Brandon at idahosports.com, And uh, we'll, we'll make sure that uh, the story you want us to talk about gets, uh, gets a little attention and a little love uh, coach Kirkland. What are you going to be up to this Friday? You're just going to have a nice evening at home with the family. Yeah, I think I will. Actually, it's been a good long, uh, good long week. My son got married. I've been in the Salt Lake and back in the last couple of days. So, I think I'm just going to chill with the wife and uh, and enjoy the evening. Cool. Congratulations, Coach. Thank you. Will, where are you going to be at Friday? The old Parma Panthers are at home again, so probably be over there and uh, playing Grangeville. They're making the drive down, and hopefully, this goes a little bit better than last Friday did. It was a was a rough one for the Panthers. Yeah, this will be uh, a good matchup, I think, for them. And, of course, I'm going to be at Clearwater Valley and, and Logos up in the great city of Moscow. So Now, Brandon, I'm still holding a hat that Coach <laughs> Hutchins wanted me to give to you. And last Friday, when Paul said he was going up there, Paul Kingsbury was going up to take gear up. I told him, oh, man, you should have taken the hat. And he said, and I, I can't directly quote it here because this is a family-friendly podcast, to heck with that. I'm taking the hat. So you're going to have to take it up with your boss as to which one of you actually gets this hat. It's a good hat. All right. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to ask Coach Hutchins when I see him on Friday for another hat that he can uh, he can send my way. And if it, I'll extend the offer to any eight-man coach. If you want me to rep your team by wearing a hat, uh, Brandon at IdahoSports.com. We can work out the details there. I have no shame. So... <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh gentlemen thank you for doing this uh everyone enjoy the competition this weekend be on the lookout for uh all the scores from friday night on idahosports.com the the three stars awards over the weekend and then we'll be back again next week for another edition of the idaho eight man prep cast until then will henneke and coach lane kirkland i'm brandon bainey we'll see you next time on idahosports.com